1: not only do you upgrade to FAIR, you're also joining a reliable network you can trust to have your back. No hidden requirements, no activation fees. Now that's FAIR. Learn more at uscellular.com.
2: Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor at large of Recode. You may know me as the only person to wear AirPods in a photo shoot for Vogue, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Hossein Rahman, the co-founder and former CEO of Jawbone, which is a wearable technology pioneer that started in 1999 and actually launched at our All Things D conference back then. We're gonna talk about what happened there and his new project. Hossein, welcome to Recode, Decode.
3: Thanks, Kara.
2: So we're gonna have like a tough discussion and a not so tough discussion, but we're gonna talk about (laughs) what happened at Jawbone. So let's get people get way of a background of where you came from and what you created with Jawbone, Because it really was a pioneer in this space and then the same thing with speakers and things like that, which everyone copied really quickly. And so we really want to have a discussion here about what happens to entrepreneurs when they run into a buzzsaw essentially and then what you're doing now, um, which you're going to announce this week. Talk a little bit about your background, how you got to where you got.
3: Yeah, so I um, was at Stanford. Mid 90s, and it was an incredible time, right? Uh, Larry and Sergey were there, mm-hmm. formation of Google. Before I got there, um, David and Jerry had started Yahoo. So it was this incredible explosion of creativity. Everybody was encouraged in the engineering school to go try their ideas. And so out of that environment, we came out in, in sort of 1999. And the original vision for the company was we were trying to build a speech recognition overlay on top of mobile devices. Mm-hmm. And as we started to build that, we realized so much of what we wanted to do. So to saying
2: a speech recognition overlay.
3: Siri. It was okay. effectively like right. Siri on top of like a Palm device or mm-hmm. a Nokia phone. We were really fascinated by mobile. We thought, wow, wouldn't it be neat if you could interact using your voice? Mm-hmm. It's funny now, you know, flash forward. 18, 20 years later, voice is finally a thing and people are doing that. So we thought about this back in the kind of late 90s. And as we started to build that, we realized that there were so many limitations around what you could do with speech recognition. And we thought that we ended up inventing this noise cancellation technology, which removed all the background noise from a mobile phone call. Mm-hmm. And the idea was to improve the signal so that it would make speech recognition work. And when we invented that, turned out that was the biggest— Because let's
2: remember, at the time, these phones weren't very good. They
3: weren't very good. Or this and, is and
2: pre-iPhone.
3: This pre- is—I mean, come on, Bites. 1999. Yeah. It was way pre-iPhone. It was
2: 2004, right? Seven. Seven, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah.
3: Anyway, so this was very early, people actually still talked a lot on their phones. Mm -hmm. And so mobile audio quality mattered a lot. And so we shifted from trying to make speech recognition work to just kind of building this fundamental layer for audio quality. That was now sort of called circa 2000, 2001. Things were tough in the technology market because you'd had this sort of first internet crash. We ended up teaming up with DARPA, to refine the science and the technology behind what we were doing, they speak, wanted it, the,
2: the noise canceling. The
3: noise canceling stuff. We mm-hmm. refined that, and then, kind of in 2002, we decided to build our own consumer product utilizing mm-hmm. that technology, and we decided to do that in a headset. And so that was kind of the the, the inception, if you will, of the first sort of smart, the headset. Now, the smart headset. So um, you were
2: this was the idea that you, this had a wire to it because you debuted it at All Things Day.
3: That was the first one that yeah. we deb- debuted. It had a
2: long wire down to a
3: pack on your. Onto the, onto the body. And this was kind of pre-Bluetooth, right? Right. And so it was a bit of a kludgy yeah. physical implementation, but the technology performance. So
2: you had a thing that went in one ear, and then it had a long wire, if I remember. Long and it wire went down that to clipped on box. your
3: belt, and then there was a box there with a bunch of processing, and then right. it connected to your phone.
2: Right. so it was And a that long we launched version. at the yeah.
3: D Conference. I think it was the right. second D Conference right. in and and 2004. Right, and we put
2: a lawnmower behind it. Weed whacker. Weed whacker for we noise sort of canceling.
3: turned it on and off, and it was an right. amazing but demo. But you, you,
2: you, how many of those did you sell? You didn't sell. I think we didn't sell
3: a lot. So the company almost died at that point. That was in 2004. And
2: what was the price point
3: of that one? Gosh, I think it was like 150 bucks. Yeah. And so it was pre-Bluetooth. So in 2005, we went down to four people, and we focused on, you know, making that technology and that product Bluetooth. Mm -hmm. And so call it in the end of 2006, we launched the first Bluetooth Jawbone and you and Walt talked about it Mm. and that one really took off right Um, because now and this this was a
2: device that went on your ear it
3: went on your ear it was wireless had all that same functionality but it was big
2: it was a big it was big-ish
3: it it was as big as it needed to be to satisfy the state of the computing power right Right. you know sort of the chip size battery all that Mm -hmm. so we launched that and it took off you know we went from like zero to hundred million dollars run rate of revenue in the first year Mm -hmm. and it was a wild ride we are trying to hold on for dear life Mm -hmm. and after that we continued continue to scale that and make it smaller and then when the iPhone launched in 2007 we were one of the you know third party headsets that Apple sold alongside it in their mm-hmm. stores had great success from that also there was all this hands-free legislation that came out that really drove that business mm-hmm. and then in the fall of 2008 when you had the big economic collapse we were caught up alongside that where you know a bunch of orders we had from the channels and whatnot kind of disappeared
2: all right and also everybody copied you correct
3: I mean, that's the thing that happens in hardware, right? right, is you end up establishing a category, either the incumbents or a lot of manufacturers in China, everyone sees that there's demand and they all rush to to sort of do a copycat. So we were effectively the first smart headset. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing happened, which is the market moved from one year to two years. As, as your iPhone mm-hmm. actually started to develop a bunch of media capability and, and all your music was there, your video, people wanted two years, and that was sort of where you got you know companies like Beats and, and all that, and mm-hmm. you know what we did at that same time is we invented the the, the sort of first wireless speakers mm-hmm. for your mobile phone devices, and right, that was the Jambox, yeah. and that was in, in 2010. So when we came out with the Jambox, the market for wireless speakers in the overall speaker market was zero percent, mm-hmm. uh, and everyone thought we were crazy to do this very high quality portable mobile speaker that was wireless for your phone. But the thought was, you've got all this rich media in that device. How do you unlock it without having to dock it, take it with you everywhere, and turn the speaker into a computer? And that was sort of the first smart wireless speaker. So that debuted in 2010, and people loved it. It went crazy, and now I think... The wireless speaker market of all speakers is like you know in the ninety nine percent. So in some ways, that product was kind of the godfather to everything that you see from, you know, Alexa or mm-hmm. or, or um, the Echo, et cetera. And it was all the good looking.
2: Down. We'll talk about design in a minute. It, but it, it so was then, good looking. So you jump to that because the wireless speak, earphone market changed. So that the, business dropped out.
3: Yeah, it, it sort of flatlined, right. right? And so for for the next stage of growth, we went and created this new category: of wireless speakers. And it's fun for us to see what's happened to that with all the innovation. In the home, you got products like Google Home, Amazon Echo, with the Alexa. It sort of evolved into media device meets, you know, voice interface for for the home. uh, And that's awesome. At the same time, in parallel, one of the things we were working on internally, starting in 2009, is a lot of the sensors that we used in the headsets Mm -hmm. to measure when you were talking, actually, if you move them around the body, you could see other things about people's physiology and understand them. And so I felt like Hey, this would be a really interesting opportunity to open up this this whole new understanding about what's going on with ourselves on sort of a continuous daily basis. So we worked on that for a couple of years, and then in 2011 we debuted the whole wrist wearables category. So it was the first time we did that. Did it on stage at TED. Got a bunch of wonderful feedback people were really excited about. this. And could this, this was called? This was called Up. Up, right. And so we debuted it in, you know, kind of mid-2011, talked about it publicly for the first time, and then we shipped the products in 11. They sold like crazy. And I mean, you had
2: some glitches. First of all, it just,
3: like, went crazy. Like, right. it was faster yes, selling was, than anything yeah. we'd ever had. People were really excited about mm-hmm. it. But we started to get reports from the field that they were breaking, mm-hmm. um, and we couldn't get them back fast enough to w- figure out what was happening. And finally, when we did, we realized that what was happening is water was getting into the device, whether it's sweat. sweat or mm. you know just wash your hands, whatever. Just when you wear something, it gets wet, right, whether you think it does or not. And that was getting into the device and shorting out some of the capacitors. So. When we figured that out, we pulled it off the market, we went and did this this big thing, apologized to all our customers, gave them refunds, let them keep using it, and people liked the way that we, we treated that whole situation, the way we handled it. So we went back to the drawing board in 2012, fixed all those waterproofing issues, and relaunched it um, at the end of 2012, and it went vertical again from a demand perspective. Mm-hmm. Then we ended up hitting a different problem, which is one of the things that, that plagues hardware startups when you get to a certain scale, is that we had a working capital issue Mm -hmm. where we had all these millions of units on order from our channel partners. We had a manufacturing base that needed to build up the supply chain, buy all Mm -hmm. the components, tooling, all that sort of stuff, build out that production capacity to supply it. But you need cash to do that, and it is extremely costly, and you've got to front load a lot of that cash. And and given you're a startup, no manufacturer really wants to give you big credit or anything like that. So we scrambled in – early 2013 to figure out how do we get this working capital cycle figured out. And we did a big debt deal with Fortress and Silver Lake, J.P. Morgan and Wells Fargo. And that was, you know, part MES debt as well as, you know, asset-based lending facility. And it's something that, you know, a lot of technology companies don't traditionally do that much because, Mm -hmm. you know, there aren't that many hardware startups. We needed the cash. We needed the cash. And that's one of the things that happens with a hardware company is you've got to like if you have a successful product, you hit another wall, which is how do you fund all that growth efficiently? And equity's not the great way to do it. So the thought then was in 2013 was let's do this big debt round, we'll pull the whole thing together, it'll get momentum back in. Yes, we had great momentum and we're back ordered, but we actually needed to fulfill it, get the, the revenue machine going, and then we would go, you know, pay that debt off. So You're like
2: a wrist Tesla, but go ahead. A risk version.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I feel for a lot of the scaling issues they have. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, it's on a much smaller mm-hmm. scale um, and, and smaller product, but it's not that dissimilar in terms of, like, the fundamental issues that you face, right? Um, and you're doing new things, so there's new manufacturing processes, and you want to ensure quality. It's it's complicated. So anyway, so we're, we're doing all that. That's 13. And the, the idea was we'd get the momentum back through the the sort of working capital injection okay. And then at the end of that, we would do an equity raise, which would, you know, kind of pay off some of the debt and then, you know, create the, the next wave. And we'd, you know, sail off and, and do our thing. So at the end of 2013, beginning 2014, we ended up doing a deal. And we had two deals on the table. And this, was an, this is an interesting lesson, candidly, for, for all entrepreneurs. And this is where one of the big mistakes that, that we made mm-hmm. um, a, as an organization, me, you know, as as sort of running the company is we had two offers on the table. One was it Call It, you know— to 2, two billion ish and then we had another one that was like you know 3.2 to 3.5 billion dollars in, in depending on how you sort of looked at how the deal was structured so obviously a big delta and we had a big split in the organization at the board level shareholder level some of the folks that had come into in the last round obviously wanted us to take the the larger markup and you know, earlier folks were saying, "Hey, you know, we might not be ready; we're not stable enough to take such mm-hmm. a high valuation, etc." Ultimately, we ended up taking the larger valuation. That deal, for a variety of reasons, didn't work, mm-hmm. and, it, and it broke apart. So we right. didn't that actually. Was and, the
2: one with uh, who was the big funder there?
3: The lead on the financing was Rizvi Traverse. Right. And so, again, for a variety of reasons, like the financing broke, we never actually completed it. And that put us into a tailspin, right, in 2014 because we had a capital-intensive business. Uh, You know, with all these things, there's maybe a thousand reasons and ultimately none. Give me two, Jose. Um, So, look, there's so many things that went wrong. One of the things was that the capital that we were expecting to get didn't all show up. Right. Um, giving
2: it to you in pieces, correct? It
3: wasn't that they were giving it to us in pieces. There was a sort of a syndication model. Mm-hmm. And I think there was misunderstanding on how the timing and how that all process would work. Um, and I think there was just, you know, again, it, it happened in the past. And it's it's one of the things at the time we were all very frustrated. Um, and I think there was a lot of anger on, on all sides of the mm-hmm. equation. But it broke. It didn't happen. The syndicate didn't come together the way it anticipated at the time that was expected to be. The company felt like it wasn't the company's fault, of course, right? And so it wasn't – the capital wasn't all there in the way that the deal mm-hmm. had been signed up to do. Mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden now we found ourselves in a scramble and effectively you're trying to sort of duct tape and and wire this thing up. And so mm-hmm. I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs now about be really careful how you structure these deals, mm-hmm. the capital you take in, what you agree to, and is the business ready for it, right? Because when you raise money at those kinds of prices – It's really hard to move and recover and sort of be nimble. You've got a big-scale organization. Just things get really, really complicated. So what ended up happening is when that financing broke, we all, the management team, had to go out of the building to go raise capital and try to hold things together. And that's when you started, you know, a lot of things started to crack. Like, if we're not in the building, there's not direction. You know, our product execution suffered. Our in-market execution suffered. Obviously, a lot of our competitors surged at the time and started to catch us in the various markets in in terms of market share. Fitbit and others. Fitbit and others, even in the speaker space. I mean, you know, so we – in a lot of these spaces, we had, you know, 80% 80 market share. But as these things evolved, like people start to chip away from you. And then the other thing that happened to us in in early 15 – is that we realized that six of our ex-employees had stolen, you know, sort of systematically stolen 365,000 documents, which was basically all of our trade secret information and gone to Fitbit. So then we got into this like very expensive legal battle to protect ourselves. Since then, actually, the DOJ just a couple months ago criminally charged all six of those people Mm -hmm. uh, for that. So sort of, you know, ultimately showed why we had to protect ourselves because there was pretty massive criminal activity around that. So that that was happening at the same time. And then what ended up happening is in order to sort of salvage ourselves from that situation, we had to do a bunch of structures, ultimately, including a bunch of debt structures that the company, frankly, just wasn't tooled to. You're um, desperate for money. Yeah. I mean, you're trying to hold it together. There's all this cool promise of the technology. You see that there's demand. One of the things that we've always been really good at um, at Jawbone was inventing new stuff, Mm. right? Creating new technologies, creating new product categories. I mean, we did it three times, right? We did the smart headset devices a number of the people on the the jawbone headset team have ended up working on airpod which is which is awesome really proud of the work that they're doing there a number of our speaker folks ended up at you know amazon and and other places working on products that are that are now um rolling out and, and getting scale so we see that and you know obviously we, we created the risk-based wearables market we were the first ones there well before fitbit or nike and then ultimately before any of the smart watches so you know we saw these things early And so we had continued to develop really cool technology that we felt like was going to take this thing to the next level. But not
2: taking advantage of it. It strikes me as— Well,
3: I think the thing that's hard in a hardware business model, Mm -hmm. candidly, is you don't necessarily generate enough gross margin to fund R&D and marketing, Mm -hmm. right? And that's what makes it really hard to get to an escape velocity. So if you think about hardware, anybody—like, the two companies that really make money in hardware are Apple and Samsung, right? And if you think about the startups— What startup has achieved total escape velocity and continued to scale? You look Mm -hmm. at guys like Ring, they sell out, they get great success, you know, get out a billion. Same with Nest, Tony got out at at three. It's awesome. They get to a certain scale and they, you know, say, look, to get to the next level, we need bigger partners and bigger backers to kind of fund that expansion. And, And if you look at companies like Fitbit or GoPro, they do put a lot of what they get in margin into marketing and they build brands and, you know, they're spending $100 million, right. and a quarter for TV advertising one's and one's doing stuff. better
2: than the other. Obviously, GoPro is, has been in distress for a while.
3: Um, and, you know, Fitbit has its challenges, yes, right? It, it, t- yeah. it trades at a fraction of mm-hmm. its, I think, revenue multiple, right? right? So, but, but the point is, is like, but they didn't make all the R&D investments. Mm-hmm. And so what we were doing is putting a lot of our capital into R&D investments and funding inventory and trying to scale, not so much on marketing, right? And so—
2: And, and you're running around persistently looking for funding, and, yeah, and, and it's, tra- sort it's of, a
3: tough way to live, right? Well, it's
2: also you're you're always selling. You're like a, a bit of a P.T. Barnum in that. Like, it's going to work. It's going to work. We have these great ideas.
3: Yeah, and, and you know, we believed it. Mm-hmm. And, I didn't and, say you didn't believe it. I'm saying <laughs> it.
2: It's, But you're constantly hawking the future, essentially, this
3: time. When you're raising capital?
2: In general, yeah, when you're doing this because you're going from one to the other and losing the previous business. You know, here you started with the earphones and then people caught up cost too much, these things do have a cycle by the way, all yeah, these
3: products absolutely. then right. you
2: move to the next one which is the speakers and then that gets eaten up and then right. you move to the next one it, it strikes me as the planes are covered with the bodies of pioneers, you know what I mean, like the concept <laughs> of that people, like right. that's what happened and then you end up sort of trying desperately to keep the funding going at the same time. To,
3: to sort of, right. you know, go to the next stage of it, because there's that yeah. inception of the and market. And then it creates
2: bad will all over the place. I mean, so we're going to talk about those errors when we get back, but one of the things that I'd really like to get into is sort of this journey of the entrepreneur, because you, like more than any, you know, we talked about this, the emails I get about job owner, really, you've got some people who hate you, for example, and you, ha- you know, you have some debts behind, and, and what do you do with the investors? So I want to talk about that, because I think it's, you want to be honest about. About what happens with these things, because on one hand you have these incredible pioneering concepts that everybody else takes advantage of. You're not Echo, you know, you started True. that. Yeah. You're not Beats, right. you started that. You're not
3: the Apple Watch.
2: The Apple Watch, right? Yeah. So every like planes are covered with the bodies of pioneers. So I want to talk about what mistakes you think you made along the way, so entrepreneurs can get an idea of what it was and what you regret doing, and then what you think you did well, which would be great when we get back. Okay. We're here with Hossein Rahman. He is the, see, is, is it Jawbone still? or Jawbone Health. We're going to talk about your new, there's Job a new thing health. where I promise I'm going to get you to talk to your newest, newest thing uh, when we get back after we take a quick break.
0: Searching for what to stream next? HBO Max is where all of HBO meets the greatest collection of movies, shows, and Max originals for everyone in the family. Discover something fresh to watch with new HBO series like Lovecraft Country from Jordan Peele, Misha Green, and J.J. Abrams, or The Undoing, starring Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. You can also jump into a new Max original like Selena Gomez's new cooking show, Selena and Chef, or The Flight Attendant, a dark new comedic thriller starring Kaylee Cuoco. Ridley Scott's even producing a new series called Raised by Wolves. Whether you want to rewatch classic favorites or finally get into that show your friends have recommended a thousand times, HBO Max has something for everyone. Start streaming today and find your next favorite. Download the app or visit hbomax.com to start your free trial.
1: If you're an early adopter, you get that your devices and your connections need to be fast and help make your life better. But you might be forgetting one thing. Tech should be fair, too. Fairness isn't a new idea. But it is to wireless. That's where U.S. Cellular comes in. At U.S. Cellular, people come first, and that means a fast, reliable connection with no hidden requirements and no activation fees. They'll even pay you back for unused data. When you upgrade to U.S. Cellular, you upgrade to fair. Learn more at uscellular.com.
2: We're here with Hossein Rahman. He is the co-founder of Jawbone, which was a ground. It has been a groundbreaking. Hardware company in Silicon Valley, there's not very many hardware companies in Silicon Valley. There's very few, and most of them hit the rocks, and you've hit a lot of rocks. So let's talk about those. Yes. So you you talked about this idea of creating all these amazing things, and you really did. You kept coming up with something. You you were heavy in design. You made things very beautiful. It was very Apple-esque in a lot of ways, even more so, uh, more stylish, more colorful, The earphones were beautiful. The Fitbits kept changing to look like. Remember one time you said they're going to look like jewelry. Yeah. You were trying to add features onto all of them. You had to deal with it. Was it Amex? at one point of payments. Uh, we had to
3: deal with Amex. Yeah, you yeah. were trying We were everything. doing wearable payments. Yeah. Right, wearable payments. Early. You
2: know, very early. And first, per- I think you're the first one I heard talking about We were the concept. first people
3: to do it. Yeah. And, and, you know, there was issues there. There weren't terminals ready to right. accept the payments. There right. weren't enough places. It was sort right. of new but behavior. Right, yeah. you were
2: talking about it before that was. We saw it. We saw it. We yeah. saw it early. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but along the way, you raised how much total?
3: Uh, a little bit over north of a billion.
2: A billion dollars. Yeah. Where did that and work? And a
3: lot of that... Came after 2011.
2: Okay, with yeah. all those different debt financings. Um,
3: the, the sort of Shareholder. Some of the growth investors at that point. That's when we started. Some to of raise. the
2: biggest investors in Silicon Valley, too.
3: Yes, those guys came in earlier than that. Where we mm-hmm. didn't, you know, we didn't raise huge amounts of money really until 2011.
2: Right, and then you had an stellar um, board. You had Marc Mayer, ex Yahoo CEO. Yes. You had Ben. Um, I'm losing my mind.
3: Ben Horowitz. Ben Horowitz
2: from Andreessen Horowitz. Yes. Uh, you had Eve Bahar, is that correct? Was he he on wasn't it? on the board. He no. was. He designed it. He, he was, was one of, our was creative a, partner. Creative partner. Yeah. And who else was on the board there? Uh,
3: Vinod Khosla. Vinod
2: Khosla. Lots of— World You had Love all the, Boat, uh, Yeah, you had everybody, pretty much. Yeah. So you're raising all this money—I sound like an idiot, but where, where did the billion dollars go?
3: Well, so a lot of it came— After 2011. Right. And that's when the business was scaling. And, and, you know, uh, we never shared our revenue numbers, but we were doing, you know, several hundred million dollars at a time. I think at our peak we got to almost like a five, six hundred million dollar of of revenue to us, right? Mm -hmm. Five, six hundred million dollar run rate, you know, sort of. Um, to on, which means that we produce billions of dollars in revenue for our channel partners mm-hmm. like Best Buy and Apple and Amazon and all carriers mm-hmm. and all those guys. So, you know, the franchises were successful from a revenue perspective to our partners. Mm-hmm. As I said, I, I think that the challenge with, with hardware for us is like we put all that design content into it. We put all of that new technology into it. And it's hard as a hardware startup. You don't generate enough margin to really like, you know, somebody told me the other day Apple spent like 900 billion dollars on tooling for the apple watch
2: mm-hmm.
3: sorry 900 million dollars not mm-hmm. 900
2: million. billion that's what i was yeah, thinking was, that was like, a, that's
3: lot. a lot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no 900 everybody million. should have one on
2: their wrist if they have that mm. much
3: money <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even 900 million is a lot yeah. for tooling i can tell you mm-hmm. uh, as someone who's built a lot of devices i mean we shipped about call it 40 million-ish devices mm-hmm. um over time in the different categories so a good amount mm-hmm. but you know the challenge is like how do you as a startup like build for that kind of scale, the automation, the supply chain, efficiencies you get, And then when you have glitches and things and like that. And you things. get glitches. You don't have, like, room for error to, right. to sort of, you know, go fix that stuff. So, you know, what takes up a lot of the cash is the working capital cycle. You're trying to scale R&D, right, because you've got to build the next thing. And in all these things, you're only as good as your next device mm-hmm. or your next product. And, you know, look, as we evolved and as the devices got smarter, and as they became more connected, we added a lot more software content to it. Mm-hmm. Like in the early days, a lot of our software team was, you know, machine learning algorithms, digital signal processing. And then as it sort of evolved, we moved up the software stack. And, and with the Up device, we had a full-blown application. Mm-hmm. You know, it was um, the most engaging application. Yeah, you were in trying to get health. people
2: in to answer questions, compete. You try gaming.
3: It all, I mean, it was great. I mean, it, it had 10x the engagement, it still does, right. of anybody in the digital health space, right. right? And so I think it's that between Facebook and Snapchat in terms of daily
2: right.
3: daily engagement, right. so it would people give you
2: messages
3: and and it changed behavior, and we're building off a lot of the stuff we learned from that. But you know, so so we did a lot of that, and that software and services create more stickiness and mm-hmm. more community, and there's a bunch of data that you can use to you know how to help people, and that's mm-hmm. a lot of the foundation for for what we're doing now, but. Again, it gets back to the fact that you just don't generate enough margin mm-hmm. to do all of that heavy future R&D. Right. And that doesn't – R&D so doesn't work on a linear basis. Like that process of creating new stuff is absolutely. not linear. And right? you were
2: – one of the things you were always trying new thi- – you would call me with the lots of new things and I kept thinking, oh, my God, when is this guy going to stop? Like it's not – <laughs> it's, it's like jumping from pad to pad. it felt like. But let's talk about the problems of that. You obviously – where did the billion dollars – let's start with the money. Where did the yeah. money go?
3: So look, a lot of it went to fund the R&D mm-hmm. and the creation of new technology. A lot of it went to working capital mm-hmm. um, to fund inventory and, and that scaling. And a lot of it went to you know, whatever was left. We funded the operation and people as well as um, – and again, we weren't able to generate enough margin. And there was lots of arguments at a board level, which is are we putting too much energy into the design side? Are we putting too much dollar investment or are unit economics so expensive that we can't charge enough to justify that, right? The Apple model is let's put a bunch of really cool technology into it and, you know, high design, but we're going to charge a real premium. Mm -hmm. And they're able to do that at scale, right? And we weren't able to necessarily charge the premiums that justified all of the cogs. That the cost of goods sold that we put into the device, and so that's the the downside, frankly, of being a high design product. So
2: why take all that money if you knew this, you know, this wasn't going to work?
3: Well, at the time, you didn't. I mean, look, we we, <laughs> we didn't take money thinking right. it wasn't going to no, work. No, I get that. I, get I mean, we, that. Well, we I, took we took look. We created the smart headset space. Right. We thought that was going to continue. It's very hard to predict right. when these things flatline, as you know. Mm-hmm. And then do you have the Except R&D? Except that they pod? always
2: flatline. That's They always do. They, at
3: some point, they yeah. asymptote, right? Right. You know, one of the things people don't talk about enough is Apple did the iPhone as a transition from iPod. And it was probably one of the most masterful product transitions when they were at the peak of the market. Everyone's like, wow, they're just sort of dumping that off. We watched the other side of that, which was the Motorola Razr, where I think they did 21 versions of that same phone, right? Mm -hmm. Just trying to, you know, sort of ride the wave. And so a lot of that is a timing issue, you know, cannibalizing yourself, deciding you have the new thing, it's ready to go, and, and kind of scaling to the next level. And I would say that we did it for a couple generations, but what we didn't do well was continue to harness and continue to bring the new thing and the new thing and the new thing. And candidly, it's really hard... To do that across three different categories at the same time within a startup, the capital it takes, the amount of people, the talent to forward front all of that is is really really expensive. So
2: why would investors? So, Go ahead, keep going.
3: Um, so I think that's uh, a big part of the challenge. I was talking to Mary Mika the other day, who's mm-hmm. you, you know was an investor in in the first Jawbone, and she said, you know, I wonder what would have happened had we sort of thought about selling off those businesses at their peaks. Yeah, or- why didn't you? Well, it's hard to predict when peak is.
2: Well, I know, but, you know, there is a peak. But
3: by the time you see it, it's starting to to be descending, right? right? Right. And there's a variety of factors. In some ways, you know, the thing that got us through when we had to take the up was our speaker business. Mm -hmm. When we had to take the up off market, you know, we stayed alive because we had the speaker business. So why didn't
2: you sell? I'm suspect you had a number of chances to do so at some point because it was very hot for a long time.
3: You know, look, it wasn't just a me decision. Right. I think that— There was opportunities where we had opportunities to exit the business. I think that, you know, you look at all the factors, you look at where you stand, you look at what you have in the pipe, and you make that decision the best you can with your board to say, can we take it to the next level? Do we have the resources? And you kept thinking you could. Uh, you know, we're believers. You're right. entrepreneurs. You,
2: you keep getting kicked in the head with each product, like, at some point.
3: But at some point, you get credit for perseverance, right? Uh, I mean, Not maybe. usually,
2: but okay. Yeah, No, but I mean, I'm t- I want you to get but to But isn't I, that what I, the
3: value built on?
2: Right, but most people who have done better have sold. It seems like I'm thinking of Instagram, lots of things. It could have, but by the way, he could have made Instagram enormous, Kevin system right? Who is who is investing in your newest thing? We'll talk about that in a minute. But he has made
3: it enormous. Yes, yeah.
2: he has made it enormous, but it's where someone else. What would he have done if it was by itself? For example, or would he have gotten to that level? These are all the things that entrepreneurs go into. What prevented you from doing that? Because then the the plane, like I said, the planes are covered with the bodies of pioneers, and you have something like uh, there's so many. Heart, the the one that they just did the documentary about that became the iPhone. Um, oh, wait, I can't
3: do. yeah, the, the thing that Fidel did. Yeah, and, and, yes, and, exactly. Yeah, 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 a long
2: time ago. So talk about like. You mean became
3: you, the iPod? Yes, mean, yeah.
2: eventually yeah, a version yeah, yeah. of fuse, it. Fuse. It was called. No, not fuse. It was called something else. Anyway, there was tons. There's just tons of them, and I have them all in a drawer in my house. Why not sell? Like talk about the, that journey of like you just think you're going to be the next big thing. I presume.
3: Yes. There's a part of that for sure. But you also see it and you see what you've been able to achieve. You see what's held you back. And, you know, part of being that pioneer and that creator is thinking that you can push through those walls, Mm -hmm. right? I'll give you a great example. When we were doing wireless speakers, when we invented that space, there were a lot of people who told us that we were crazy to do it, Mm -hmm. right? That, you know, going into the speaker space, there were so many dead bodies, Big brands, you know, a lot of channel pressure. It just wasn't mm-hmm. like a great category. right? Um, but we did it and we transformed it, right? And I find that process of creating new things extremely rewarding. It's mm-hmm. tough. There's a lot of fights and you're pushing and you're trying new things. There's no playbook mm-hmm. established, but that process is – you know, if you're a creator, that's what you live for, right, Right, and the opportunity to do it and for people to value what you bring to their lives. And, like, look, I had, and I've had, i had so many incredible experiences with the products that we've built and people loving them, right? I had, I had somebody come up to me at a party once that I'd never met who said, I feel like you were there for the birth of my child. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And they said, well, I had one job when my kid was born which was to be in charge of the music, uh-huh. right? And I had a jam box, and we were late getting there, and it was this extremely long labor. And having that jam box there and playing the the list of music that right. my wife well, wanted. The no, but, like, it was a touching thing, right. right? To sort of hear that that played a role so, in this, like, significant right. moment but, in but someone's in lives.
2: C- in being creative and creating things, yeah. you also leave behind a lot of, Anger, like, right? I mean, you were aware of that. We've talked about it extensively. I used to get emails from employees. I think they were employees who were unhappy with you. I can't imagine investors weren't happy about losing that amount of money. And then, you know, you also had vendors and stuff like – we talked about that too. Yeah. um, That you didn't pay and stuff like that. But you're also in this this creative mode. I want you to get to like a bigger idea of the entrepreneur when you're like this, when you're juggling. You're not paying this person. You have investors on your back. You know, you've made management mistakes. And I want to finish – I'll finish this part, I promise. But what things do you think you did wrong there and what things did you do right?
3: For your How much personal? time do we have?
2: No, we keep going. No, uh, I mean like – no,
3: no, I'm saying like no, this is that, like we course. could do like a right. 10-day right, series not, on like, this. Like, like, you
2: when you, when you when don't – when things don't go you, well, yes.
3: you spend – there's not like a moment mm-hmm. – in my life, w- where it goes, where I don't think about it every single night, Right. about all the mistakes we made and all the things that went wrong so and what get, we would for do all differently, people like all tell all of two that, two it's, it's hard. Like I mean, it can be emotionally and mentally crushing. Right. Right. It crushes your soul. Like but then, you then put again, you every, took
2: the money, right? So you're, you you want to do it? Which is why I I'm, stuck I'm, with it. I yeah.
3: had a lot of people who said, "Hey, you know what? Come do this. Like here's this job, or right. here's this other opportunity. Jump into this. You want to help do this? Like." Mm-hmm. And I didn't walk so away. So why?
2: I want to under, because I, want I took a bunch security. of other
3: people's money. Right. And until I thought it was going to die, mm-hmm. they were going to have to carry me out in a body bag. Mm-hmm. So right? And that's a commitment think, what, that I what made. What would
2: you have done differently?
3: I mean, again, do we have like a <laughs> I know. Give me two
2: or three things.
3: <laughs> well, look, I, A, I think that a hardware business model is really hard. Right. Um, and I think that we would have moved to services a lot faster, which is what we're doing in the new right. thing. Number one, I think we wouldn't have overreached on valuation. Right, I think we would have been a lot more mm-hmm. paced and disciplined. Do you get um, caught
2: up in that? Or? Of course, yeah.
3: of course. Like you know, we were one of the first unicorns, and everyone's yeah. like, "Oh my God, you're I'm great!" Gonna, I remember, yeah. And you can be this, and you you know, get all these accolades. Like a plane, yeah.
2: Kind of I mean, come on,
3: you know, it's 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 hard. Like uh-huh. there's no there's nobody teaches you sort of how to to be disciplined in these situations where everything's trying to sweep you off your feet, and so.
2: Overvaluation,
3: overvaluation, wrong structures. Um, what about and, management? I mean, look, we you come into these, there. One of the things, like a, a firm like Andreessen Horowitz does, and like what Ben's been amazing at, is they help train a lot of these people because you don't get that training. There is nothing that you can go to school for mm-hmm. that helps you be a great manager, right? right? But you need that training, you need that rigor, and a lot of it is by doing, mm-hmm. right? And so. Do I think it I'm, – I'm 42 now. Do I think I'm way better as a manager than, than well, I, was I was when I was younger? A, Absolutely. A lot
2: of these companies are in the hands of people. who are. You? you could look at Facebook. I think it's a management problem. He was not experienced. He has not been experienced. You don't have to say anything about Mark Zuckerberg, but I don't think that management team had a veneer of being highly competent because they did very well. But a lot of it – stuff they well, shouldn't Well, look, hypergrowth
3: hides a lot of problems. That's what I mean. Exactly. And I've been through yeah. three or four hypergrowth yeah. cycles. Yeah,
2: exactly.
3: And so you don't end up taking the time to build a really, really good foundation.
2: Or, or a management structure.
3: Or a management structure. Like, look, I used to think HR was this thing that you just, like, applied later as mm-hmm. you were scaling. Mm-hmm. And the new thing, we've had like HR partners right from the beginning, mm-hmm. right? Building the infrastructure. Here's how we operate. Here's how we work. Here's our, our set of thinking. Here's what's okay. Here's what's not. Here's how we communicate. Here's how we catch problems early. Here's how we hold people accountable. I mean, these are all things that, that are important and just as important as the creation side. Mm-hmm. And frankly, you think when you're that it's all about the creation, Right. Right. It's all about that new thing and everything's going to fix itself. Well, guess what? Like, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And you have to do that. You have to invest in yourself. You have to grow. You have to manage your, you know, your insecurities, your blind spots. You have to be really transparent and understanding about that. Like, I'm a big advocate of coaching and mentorship and Mm -hmm. talking about this stuff. I'm a lot more open about my strengths and weaknesses. I work on them. You know, mental health, people don't talk about enough. Right. Mm -hmm. That stress is hard. And – it's wonderful when everyone's saying good things, and the level. And look, what you realize in these things is all the credit is is sometimes overplaced, and all of the blame is sometimes overplaced. Mm-hmm. Both sides, right? And it's one of those things where. You have to find that balance and, like, what makes you and what drives you and what are the things that give you confidence and what are the things that cause stress. So one of the other
2: things is you wrote a really positive press wave and then a negative one when the things broke down. That was the first time I remember when when there were stories about, you know, the problem with the sweating, which I think every company goes through. Like, Apple's gone through it 20 times. But with you, it mattered a great more because you were just a small company.
3: right. Right. No, you go through the ups and downs, right?
2: So do you think you handle Why do those you think
3: things? that is, by the way, from a, I mean you are what,
2: from a, the queen
3: of Silicon Valley Press. Why is that? Why do they take it up and take it down? Why does that cycle have to be?
2: Because I think you all hype it too. Like, we're all great. We're all this. You know, I think what we don't do a good job of is monitoring it during the time. It's like, isn't Mark Zuckerberg a genius? I'll use him, not you necessarily. And then now it's clear there's some management problems there, right? There's some decision-making problems. There's some wisdom problems there that are clear. And I I think when you start to say that, which I think I've been more than most people say they can't do that, People in Silicon Valley don't like it at all. Don't like what? Well, you know, when we were, you know, I was tough on your board member, Marissa Mayer. I didn't think she was up for the task of that job. I didn't think that Travis was, the, uh, you know, didn't uh, hang the moon. And I think saying But the it,
3: way it goes is it's it's this, like, attack and then the other side digs in and it's not like, a, right, hey, but, can you get help? What are the problems that you Yeah, but we're not you your partners.
2: We're not your partners. But I agree with you. I think it's— No, G-hyping. no, I'm not saying that doesn't necessarily yeah.
3: yourself. It's just it becomes this, like, polarization, Well, well yeah, right? it's true.
2: But part of it is your products were very exciting. Right, And at the same time, when you're hearing like he didn't pay this person, these investors are mad, maybe they're going to go out of business, you have to – it's hard to do a more – this is why I want to talk about this. It's a much more complex issue than than it is. And so what you do is you leave behind a a lot of people who are angry at you and they're willing to talk about it. And had it gone – had you sold to Apple the way Beats did, you'd be a genius, Right. Right? Like, I'm just saying, that's the thing. If you had <laughs> sold, you, you, nobody would be complaining, right? There, or would look, you had...
3: I, I like to look at everything that happened in a lot of detail mm-hmm. to think about what to learn from it, what to do better. And I spend a lot of time now thinking about how can I take those lessons and how can other people learn from my mistakes? Mm-hmm. And what are the platforms and what Give are Give the...
2: me—and then we're going to talk about what you're doing next, I promise, in the next section. What are your two biggest mistakes that you make?
3: I think we absolutely overreached on, you know, sort of valuations and and picking the wrong partners and end up agreeing to structures that just weren't right for us. And I think we probably should have taken a step back, slowed down, rebuilt, built a solid foundation that was sort of better to scale from and gone slower. And I think there's a lot of pressure to move quickly, to grow faster. And I think that, you know, one of the things that happens is, Each business has its own dynamic, right? So consumer internet businesses scale really fast Mm -hmm. because you have platforms set up that like allow that to happen. Enterprise businesses scale differently. Healthcare businesses, completely different cycle. Pharma businesses, biotech, different cycle completely, right? Hardware, different cycle. So I think that, there needs to be more rational discussions of, like, what are reasonable growth rates. But when you have an environment where some things are, are growing really, really fast,
2: mm-hmm.
3: everybody gets caught up in that. You're like, oh, no, no, so I, I need to be there, too. Get, I
2: think you all get licked up and down. And then it, it it ends up in the worst way in a Theranos situation where there's actual fraud going on and, and a lot of hyping. But there, she's a version of everybody else. Do you know what I mean? Just taking it too far, taking it too far. I think she's a version, too salesy. Too everything's going to be fine. Too positive. Like I hate to say that, but it's too positive. It's
3: it's a balance, right? Because you have to be extremely brutally honest Mm -hmm. when you look in the mirror and when you look at your organization. But
2: y'all aren't. I don't. But then
3: no. But I think, I think everybody is in the dark. Sure. Or when they're by themselves. Right. Like way more than people let on. Right. And then the balance is, and I don't know who's achieved this well. Mm -hmm. So like, and and I don't feel like I necessarily have either. No, because the ones that are
2: successful look good, right?
3: Well, again, success washes away a lot of sins, right? Exactly, and 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 bad foundational elements, right? But I think that what you need is the ability to be optimistic, Mm -hmm. lead a charge, because that's what it takes to break new ground and do something new. If you weren't optimistic and just pessimistic, you'd never take these risks and these challenges, right? On, so you need that, but you also have to be really grounded in the realities of where you are, and that's a hard duplicity, right? Mm -hmm. Of sort of. Going back and forth, and that, and it's it's hard to sort of yeah. move yourself. Back I get and forth. that. And the so only the only issue do do I have that? with
2: most Silicon Valley people is they took the money. So stop, like you took the money, and you have the responsibility. Yeah, and
3: you have the responsibility. So yeah. you stick with it till right. till it. You right, know,
2: exactly through the trenches. Exactly. Right? right, we're going to talk about what you're doing next. Thank you for answering this question, Hussein. I appreciate it, but I do want to talk about this because I think people. Very I think young. it's
3: important. I mean, look, we're unpacking a lot right. of beyond what happened right. at Jawbone right. stuff that I think could be interesting lessons because that's what I hope for now. Right. Right. And Is also that, the
2: forgiveness zone, and who gets forgiven and who doesn't. And we're going to talk about let's that. Let's talk because, about that because because you have been forgiven. You got you've got uh, new sort funding. of sort of.
3: <laughs> I hope, right?
2: I'm not God, so I won't say anything. Anyway, I don't before know that you've forgiven back, me yet. I, I've never <laughs> forgiven any of you people. We're going to take a quick break now. We'll be back in a minute with Hossein Rahman. We're talking about his company Jawbone. And we're talking about Jawbone Health, which has been a phoenix from the ashes. Is that how we refer to it?
1: I think that's the hope.
2: That's the hope. All right.
1: Support for this podcast comes from State Farm. With surprisingly great rates, State Farm is the real deal when it comes to home and car insurance. State Farm agents are always ready to help you personalize your insurance plan so you can create a policy that fits your needs. You can manage your coverage, pay your bill, or even file a claim right from your phone with the State Farm mobile app. And you can always call one of the State Farm agents in neighborhoods across the country. Get a great rate without sacrificing great service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
2: We're here with Hossein Rahman. we're talking about what happened at Jawbone, which had raised a billion dollars, put out a lot of great products, but had a lot of problems. Um, but now he has a new company called Jawbone Health. And you said Phoenix. I was saying Phoenix from the ashes, but uh, a lot, billion dollars of ashes. So what have you done That You closed Jawbone. Yeah. So
3: he said sorry. No, no. What happened was so we ended up in in 2015 doing big debt deal that ultimately, the structure of it just made it hard, and th- we didn't have flexibility to sort of shift yeah. a new direction. And in 2015, we also realized a lot of this sort of consumer fitness stuff was flatlining, and that wasn't really where the future of, of wearables was going to go. We had a number of breakthroughs on the technology sensing side. We started to get into deeper clinical measures mm-hmm. around vitals and like understanding more of, of what was going on with people. We had bought a few things, hired a chief medical officer, and just sort of expanded. Now, what... Is this
2: the same management? or you, you went through a lot of different people, like you, you seem to have a CFO every five minutes, but is this the same team, or is it a different team?
3: At Job on Health? Yeah. There's about 110 people that came over from the old company and how
2: many were at the old company
3: at peak i think it got to close to 600 wow so yeah. um, that process of of going up and down is hard to
2: i can imagine
3: another podcast yeah but so the new company what ended up happening is we had this this big debt structure we tried a number of different
2: and there was no business
3: plans and and different initiatives and and there was a lot of back what was your forth. last
2: one i can't remember what was the last one you did that, that you were trying different
3: things A lot of what we were doing in 16, we never talked about. Right. And then, so it was, but it was all, we turned off all of our retail stuff and said, you know, we want to focus on this deeper health stuff. Stop making devices. Turned off all of our, our sales in, in early 16. And we said, we're going to go focus on this deeper clinical
2: health. Were the sales clinical were off? Health. These were off. This, this, this um, flat I mean, line.
3: we were still selling. Right. Like there was a lot of revenue, mm-hmm. but it wasn't profitable and right. it, it wasn't yielding right. the future. Right. So right. we said, instead of focusing on that and going and to fight that. takes a lot of time. takes more capital, mm-hmm. all those things. We said, let's go. We've got this really interesting stuff. Everyone that sees it is blown away and by pets. what we're doing. Mm-hmm. 2800 right we have a huge sort of intellectual property war chest at the time and so the thought was let's go figure out what it looks like in this deeper health care arena and what if anything we can do and we learned a lot i mean it was it was a crazy journey in 16 and we tried different paths and ultimately none of them worked cuz we couldn't just get out from underneath this kind of structure that we had this sort of debt structure and there was a group in the Middle East um, called Maras, mm-hmm. uh, which is a Dubai-based group. It's sort of one of the largest uh, investment groups there. So you
2: travel all the way to the East to get money. Uh, we met them. They do have a lot of money. They seem to be spreading it around SoftBank.
3: I mean, people. look, the Middle East <laughs> investors, the sovereigns, <laughs> and a lot of these folks are – the capital behind the capital, right. right, and have been since the, like, late 70s. And right. it's, I think it's just something that people don't realize. Like, they're large LPs and all of the big financial institutions in But New they've York. shown
2: up more visibly, I think. Yeah, and I think that they're Tesla, thinking
3: about Softbank. Tesla, SoftBank, and I think they're doing great stuff, and I think they realize, like, look, we can deploy this capital directly into innovative businesses and push the envelope and market make and sort of be a lab to showcase what's possible and, and bring that to the rest of the world. I actually think it's exciting, and I think that... It's frankly a cool alternative narrative for the Middle East versus a lot of what gets out in the other domains Mm -hmm. around, you know, frankly, like terrorists and— you know, you know political instability and all that stuff. I think deploying capital to further innovation is, is an j- awesome part of the what they do. And the
2: jig is up in oil at some point. So they need to move they it They need into- to
3: diversify right. for sure. But but I think that, look, they have a vision for the future and I think they're willing to invest. And they have been long-term investors in a lot of stuff and things that you'd be surprised to know that they were big, big, massive backers and owners of and have been for for decades, right? And we had some of those folks in the old jawbone, and they had introduced us to this group in Dubai, Moros, and they came and saw what we had built and they were really blown away by a lot of the clinical-grade technology that that we were working on. They said, look, if you had kind of a, a, a fresh start and, you know, ability to launch into new markets, like, what would you build? And we said, wow, that's a really cool opportunity, here's sort of what we'd build. And they said that's neat. We want to set up a new company, Jawbone Health, and, and you know we'll, we'll back that and we'll buy out the assets. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what ended up happening. And then they hired us so in you, you to do that. So to that was buy the, out
2: the assets. What is that? I mean, this was. So
3: this they they went to massive valuation. They went to the debtors. Well, at that point, the debtors. company's in the hands of the the creditors. And the shareholders right?
2: are zeroed
3: out. The shareholders are sitting underneath all of that, right? right? It's it's and this is the kind of tough structures. There's mm-hmm. not flexibility to do stuff, right? But anyways, they they went to those people and it was like an arm's length transaction. They said, we formed a new company. We want to buy out all the health stuff. You guys can go sell the audio pieces off. Um, but we want to take this thing into a deeper thing, Job World Health. And they hired, you know, me and, and uh, a bunch of the team that we brought over to go do that. So we formed that company in January 2017 and we've been heads down focused on building this new service, uh, which we're going to talk about publicly, um, the total picture of it for the first time, you know, this week, mm-hmm. um, and,
2: you know, you... So, you're taking the services that you probably should have invested in before and doing a... Well, ...health... You... Explain what you're doing. Yeah.
3: So, what Job One Health is building is this personalized subscription service where we take all this continuous health data about you, and we combine that with a lot of machine intelligence, so AI, plus human doctors. They go analyze all this data, and the idea is to catch issues going on with you, health issues. Particularly in the lifestyle, lifestyle disease, preventive health, to catch them early when they can be treated and you can improve longevity. Because the problem is, is like, look, two-thirds of all deaths today are lifestyle disease related, which means it's just bad living, right? But the reality is if you catch that stuff early and you change your behavior or whatnot, you can push out half of those deaths and save 70% of the cost. The problem is we have no information. We don't know where we stand, what's going on with us, right? We have half a million minutes a year in our lives, mm-hmm. If you're good, you spend 15 minutes a year with a doctor, maybe four times a year. That's like a very small percentage of the population. So the idea is to give people tools. And what we realized through the wearables journey is you had to elevate the actual sensor technology to a clinical grade level. What does that mean? It means you have to take it through an IRB process of doing clinical trials, which is an institutional review board approved by the NIH. Everybody, you know, the big institutions like Mayo and, and Stanford. are publishing
2: these studies. We already
3: started to. So mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, we published – um, at the Deep Learning Conference, the KDD conference in, in London, we published a lot of our deep learning stuff around atrial fibrillation, for example. It's the thing that Apple announced. Uh, we've got fantastic results there, four nines on positive predictive value, which means that we're 99% accurate at predicting that. That's something we did at UCSF. That has been accepted as in the American Heart Association, so we're going to publish there. So it's a very different model where you do this stuff, you publish it, third parties. And the idea of the clinical trials is you have – Third parties running this data, you correlate it to ground truth against known standards like FDA or other, you know, certification bodies. And then you go correlate all of that and it's then proven out. Clinically, empirically, in published data that it works. You take all that information. So now you know you have really accurate stuff and you go run a bunch of machine intelligence mm-hmm. on that. And then you have humans look at that
2: right. and, and make then, so determinations. To, right. And then it goes to your doctor and insurance company. The privacy um, implications obviously.
3: It, so the whole thing is an encapsulated service where we have we, – we grab the data off. We analyze it. You have a doctor in the system that analyzes and there's a lot of it. And startups. Like there's a whole and bunch they, of startups that are trying. There's things. people doing different pieces. Cardia, no all no kinds. one's pulled the whole thing together. Right. And we're looking at a series of different lifestyle diseases. We have the continuous monitoring piece. We Which will. is a
2: device? You're going to be having another device, right? But
3: the device is is free with the service, so right. it's not like a hardware business so it's model. It's not a hardware. It's so a but it's you monthly will have subscription a device model. Your
2: own. Will you build into other devices? We
3: like? have a device on our own. We did that because we needed to show what was possible. Mm-hmm. The plan is to let other people build like on our one sensor one, technology, while technology. they're doing their own thing. Well. We're actually going to integrate Apple Watches because now that they've gone to clinical grade level, we can use that information. Mm-hmm. So if you will never build a smartwatch, for example, right, that's that's Apple's doing a great job of that. So, you know, our device is to showcase what's possible. And the idea is to let other people build on our sensor technology because we've proven that it's clinical but grade. we you will
2: have a device once again, but it will, you'll give it away.
3: You We're will- giving it away, right. and then ultimately there will be other people's devices. Right.
2: So, you, so this group in Dubai bought out – The investors.
3: They bought the assets in the health domain of the old Jawbone.
2: Which is not unlike, say, Slack was a game company. that lost all kinds of money, and then they pulled Slack out of it. I don't know what the the Slack restructuring was. Yeah. 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 But so it's a restructuring. So the shareholders in the old Jawbone, gone.
3: So what ended up happening when the new company was created, ultimately there was no plan for the old company. So they sold off the audio assets. I think whatever proceeds went to the debtors. And then they um, shut that down. Right. So zero. Um, no, they got – I mean they, they got some stuff. There was a litigation with Fitbit and mm-hmm. a bunch of those other things that were assets in the old company and then that all got sold off. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't a return of capital right. um, to debtors and it didn't cross the the debt so that shareholders got paid back. Yeah. And then, you know, we've been focused on – And you've
2: created – you have new investors. Are the old investors still investing with you?
3: Uh, some. Some Some have gotten back in, and then
2: you've got a bunch of angel investors.
3: So primarily, it's been it's it's been funded by this this Dubai organization. Mm -hmm. um, And this is
2: how much did you raise?
3: We haven't been saying. Okay. But it's enough to you know fund the operation, get us to clinical trials, and get going. And tens then, of millions
2: of dollars, I understand. You don't have to answer. Anyway, it's tens um, of millions of dollars. All right. But it's, uh, it's, to, it's to get the And service then up.
3: alongside Dubai, a number of folks came in as well.
2: Right. And um, it's also Some of our old investors. So you're also using—
3: Well, so the whole—as I, I was explaining it, right. the whole thing—so I, I went to see Mark Benioff about what we were doing, and I showed him this whole thing where we're grabbing all this data, continuously monitoring it us. he
2: says, I have a cloud.
3: Well, don't it's interesting. They've built this health cloud solution. Mm-hmm. And he said, look, we can power this whole part of what you're doing where all of our data plus your health record, it's all HIPAA compliant. Doctors can get in there and manage the patients, message them. So we were building that and we saw what HealthCloud had done. We said, Great, let's let's use that to power our platform. And it's and HealthCloud has become this like great tool for us where you have all the HIPAA compliance, so the data is like super protected. You have um, all of the electronic health record integrated, you have all of our lifestyle context. So doctors in our system can look at all of this information. and make determinations, so and they take a care of you. now. The service, doing a service, and the service and is, is part-automated. How are
2: you going to make There's money? There's going to
3: be a monthly subscription fee that ranges Monitors up for— Monitors your health,
2: and then that's say remote monitoring. companies would love. Yeah,
3: and so look, in our clinical trials— This is what other people— this one One-third of the people that went through our clinical trials in the U.S. found a disease, a major one, that they didn't know they had before. Mm-hmm. It was shocking to us. In our international trials, we had crazy results like— of the people nearly that went through it didn't know that they had high blood pressure. 30% didn't know they had full-blown diabetes. I mean, crazy stuff. And so you catch it early. Mm -hmm. We had built out a whole, you know, kind of proprietary automated behavior change system Mm – in the, Before, in the original smart coach yeah. yeah well it's suggestions that moved your behavior right and we scrubbed that you with sleep
2: eight hours this well
3: it was way beyond that it was sort of personalized mm-hmm. and it was like tools to coach you and do that remember and it was
2: irritating
3: go ahead um, look it worked at scale over 13 million users the results were staggering no I get it I um, agree and so combining that I, I
2: don't even like when Apple Watch tells me to get up but I don't that's why I don't well, well you, you
3: don't like people me. telling you to No, do no, stuff. no that's
2: true that's
3: a fair point uh, it's another entrepreneurial yeah. trait Kara yeah. <laughs> No, so look, you combine all that machine automation with this early detection, and, like, the results have been staggering mm-hmm. in terms of what we've been able to catch people. And the whole notion is catch it early when you can treat it. It saves a bunch of money right. for your company, for your insurance, sure. for all your right. government. let me say again. Whatever.
2: Great early idea, but lots of people are in this space.
3: There's nobody who's doing the entire service stack. Okay. There's different Apple. people who've done— There's a lot of people going to get Apple's it. Apple's doing great right. devices. We're going to integrate with those devices. Mm-hmm. There's people— and I can explain to Cardia, you. there's
2: color, there's all kinds. There's- color is a partner. Yeah, okay. Right? right.
3: Um, so we, we integrate the genetic data. Mm-hmm. There's different people who've tried to do AI, but when you have the continuous raw information, that lets you build better models. Some people are doing the human component, but not the human component combined with the automated component. So it's the entire stack. Right. And what's cool is that HealthCloud allows us to pull it all together and allows doctors and healthcare professionals Wait. to be to right. make smarter decisions. So
2: you've pulled out the choice bit from all these different devices, like the choice bit which is this service. Correct? Cuz that was part of your up device.
3: The service so on the Up device, we had an application right. that we ran that right. did and all this stuff about automated. About right. So we've built the new one off of the foundations that we learned from that. Right. But we've added in all this human doctors. And mm-hmm. this whole new service that we built is completely new from and scratch. what's it called? For now, the, the company's called Job on Health. We haven't announced the, and the so, name of the service yet. And then this
2: software could be available on your device or other people's. It can be – it's a system it's, you, a system. it's a system. So we will use other system.
3: wearables. The reason we made our own wearables is so that we had really accurate right, data. Right. I got that. I got that. Right.
2: So let's finish up talking about – so it's debuting this week, and then you will roll it out to people in variety of ways. Correct.
3: We've already started to roll that out. Right. Sort so of the form of clinical can trials. Individuals
2: or companies will do it, or insurance companies will recommend it. All which, the above. And there's a lot of these – like I said. All the above. What is your work? Right now, You've certainly raised significantly less money, so that's not – you don't have to deal with a device or people sweating on it or
3: the, yeah, no, and or the, the Chinese
2: uh, coming uh, in and copying
3: uh, it. I worry about, you know, people, execution, you know, making sure it's tight. All the ingredients that we have for this service have been proven now. It's very different from, you know, you build a device, you put it on a package, right. on a boat, put it on a shelf, hold your breath. Is it going to sell? Like now we're rolling it out 100 users at a time. We make sure it works. Are we achieving it? then we get the next set and then the next set. So it's a different kind of scalar model. It's slower, but it's a lot more foundationally sound. So we're really excited because now we've gone to a point where it's clinically validated. We have third-party results. We're publishing all that data. Um, It's a different sort of channel structure. It's a subscription model. And we're just taking our time to sort of tune it, get it right.
2: All right. Well, I have two more questions, and and there one's a positive, one's a negative one. Um, I'm just going to tell you in advance. Let me do. Which one do you want first?
3: Whatever you want. Okay,
2: I'll Let's do. Let's go negative. Negative, negative and then okay. positive. <laughs> you have you raised all this money. You we referred to it. I haven't
3: raised all this money. You did in the before previously. Previously, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Previously, yeah.
2: yeah. Why do you get a chance again? Like, if a woman did this, I'm guessing would never get funded again. Like, that kind of thing. Well, a, that,
3: I hope that's not true. Well, it is. Funded. I think everybody should get a second of chance. Course. I don't care if you're black, white, Muslim,
2: Right, Jewish, but most people don't. Female. It seems like guys get bigger, sentient. Why do you get this more than second chance? Why I do don't you think know. you get
3: it? Look, to be totally candid, yeah. it hasn't been easy. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's hard to get a second chance. I mean— we were fortunate. We created a lot of things that no one had ever done before. And right. now they're, they're sort of leading what—I what, mm-hmm. mean, think about what's yeah, hot it's, right now. Yeah, it's all but everybody stuff else that that is we benefiting.
2: Right, yeah. But everybody else does, is benefiting, How does right? that feel, for one? And then secondly, why do you I'm get— I'm proud—look,
3: I'm so proud of what we did, and I'm proud that other people stood on our shoulders. And, like, these ultimately—like, I feel like a little bit of the godfather of a bunch of these different things. Right. Now, the, I think sitting we're Sitting on your doing, shoulders
2: is one thing, but squashing you down and you don't, you don't get the benefit of it
3: is— well, look, it's it's a journey, and, and the story's not done so yet. So why do you get a second chance? This is the chance? next why chapter. You?
2: Why do you deserve a second chance?
3: Well, look, I, you know, number one, I actually think when you go through these things, it makes you a million percent smarter, right? It makes you a million percent more humble, and it makes you a million percent more thoughtful. And so, frankly, I think we're better tooled now, given all of the fire that we had to walk through, um, it was not easy, Kara. A lot of people were just like, no. walk away, go yeah. do something else. Like it would right. have been a lot easier, right? And also, but we stuck saying
2: you're an asshole? How dare you? You know what I mean? Like totally. That comes, right.
3: And you know me. I mean,
2: right. I'm using you as a proxy for all of Silicon Valley. I'm sorry to do that, but sometimes it's like, why should we give? I all can handle of you? it. Okay. I can handle why it. Why should we give, should we give all you people a second chance? Why, why? You know what I mean? You've broken a lot of stuff. Like I'm not giving you the Facebook responsibility. You didn't break democracy, but <laughs> why should we give that's, Silicon that's Valley? That's a hard right burden now, to carry. Right there's a tech clash. Why should we give you all a second chance? There's this new thing that Julie Angwin's doing the markup to you know, like there's a lot of like what the hell.
3: So look, I think everybody deserves an opportunity to kind of continue. HBO Max brings all of HBO to your fingertips, plus an epic list
1: of new Max originals. Whether you're into animation, classic movies, or binge worthy series, HBO Max's suggested collections are curated by real humans not robots, so you find the right thing to watch every time. With thousands of options for you and the family to choose from, it's the streaming platform of your dreams. HBO Max, where HBO needs so much more. Start streaming now at hbomax.com.